welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by community pastor Ian Simpkins as we wrap up our series, Next Level. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Good morning, community. How are you feeling? You are looking good, if I may uh, say so myself. My name is Ian. I'm thrilled that you're here. And uh, these are my glasses now, apparently. So my apologies in advance. Um, As Ted mentioned, we're wrapping up our Next Level series today. And uh, the topic that I want to talk about is the topic of accountability. Now, I know it just happened in the room. A whole lot of you just got really tense. Like, why? Why did I come today talking about accountability. And the reason that I think so many of us get sort of tense about this topic, because when we picture accountability, perhaps we picture something kind of like this. Marshall, are you really going to keep wearing that hat? Yeah, it's been two weeks, Marshall. Two awesome weeks. <laughs> and heck yeah, I'm going to keep wearing it. <laughs> hey. Marshall. This is an intervention. It's about the hat. Hush. No. Okay, I have it under control, okay? I can take it off whenever I want. After that, interventions became a pretty regular thing around our apartment. Spray tan? <laughs> they reel you in with a coupon and then you just get hooked. Oh, we know, sweetie, we know. No, 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 no. This is a new sweater. What? The magic tricks. Specifically those involving fire. Magic tricks? Guys, interventions are supposed to help people, not attack every little thing you don't like about them. I'm sorry, but that really steams me. That really burns me up. I mean, I am filled with a white hot rage. Okay, so that's, that's not what we're talking about today. Accountability is not about confronting spray tans and large comical hats, no matter how cool they actually look. Accountability, I think, is maybe helpful for us to think about it like a car. What, when you get regular oil changes in your car, you actually can avoid much bigger problems down the road. Some of you perhaps didn't know that this morning. You're welcome. Go get your oil changed. It doesn't mean that problems don't come, but it can greatly reduce the likelihood that you'll have these massive, expensive problems down the road. It also helps us see blind spots that we don't otherwise see. Sometimes there's stuff that we don't even really know is going on in our life. We need accountability. We need people to help call those things out. It's kind of like a friend that says, hey, man, before you leave the house, you have a massive piece of spinach in your mouth. Like, we need people to call that stuff out in our life. The verse that we've been reading uh, for this entire series comes from uh, Ephesians, written by the Apostle Paul, and he says, from him, meaning Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And Paul's often using sort of this body analogy to describe what it means to be the community of God, what it actually looks like in practicality. And I think that's a significant word picture Because a a body's meant to function together. And I love that he says, as each part does its work. 
It's going to be work at times. We don't usually just sort of fall backwards into accountability, into living life together. It takes intentionality. It takes focus, and often it just takes work. So week one, we talked about uh, the need to be available, right? We have to actually be available to each other to actually live in these kinds of relationships. Then we need to move to authenticity, something that for a lot of us I found is actually quite difficult, like really letting people behind the veneer, right, to like the real true, what does vulnerability look like in our communities? And so today I want to talk about accountability. How do we actually do this thing called life together? How do we actually live on the Jesus mission together? Now, uh, what accountability isn't is attacking someone about every little thing about them that you don't like. For example, uh, like Ian, I hate that you wear cardigans. Please stop wearing them forever. One, it's not going to happen. I love them so much. I can't. I'm going for like a 90-year-old man vibe, apparently. This is my life now. But it is actually in love calling out one another in areas that we see that could potentially be toxic either to them or to the people around them. And the reason this is so significant, please don't miss this, because... I believe that at our very core, every single one of us was wired for connection, for authentic community. God, in Trinitarian language, we talk in Christian theology, is a three-in-one, right? Father, Son, Spirit. So in his very essence is this sort of constant cycle of accountability and affection and love and mercy. So if we are the image bearers of this God, wouldn't it make sense then? that we would be hardwired for true, deep, meaningful connection with other humans. We were not meant to do this thing alone. We just weren't. And I spent a lot of my life not believing that's true. And it got me into a lot of really terrible circumstances. It's messy, it's often difficult, but living life together isn't just a good idea. It's how we were wired and built to be. So today I want to look at uh, two friends, guys named Peter and Paul, who I think lived out this practice of accountability really, really well. So Peter, Peter was primarily called to minister to the people of Israel, and uh, Paul was primarily called to minister to the people of the rest of the world, Gentiles. Gentiles simply means non-Jews. So that's kind of their context there. And uh, Paul records one of their interactions in a letter that he wrote to uh, a church in Galatia. And here's, here's what he says. This is Paul writing. He says, when Peter came to, uh, to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, which is like such a man way to start a sentence, isn't it? Like I, didn't, I didn't just oppose him. No, I got like up in his grill, right? That's how I, and he goes on. So Peter came to Antioch. I opposed him to his face. Why? Because he was clearly in the wrong. Can we just pause and appreciate like this is in our holy book, right? Like he's writing to this community of Christ followers. He's like, hey, just to set the stage, he was being an idiot, like he was the one at fault here. That's why I confronted him. So before certain men came from James, uh, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group, which is not a great group to be a part of. Um, that's a tough branding, uh, right? That's just a hard marketing. Anyway, um, the other, the other Jews joined him in, in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Which if I'm Barnabas reading this, like, hey, what is that supposed to mean? Like, I don't know why he's getting brought into this. Uh, when they saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, in front of them all, right? 
didn't like, hey, can we have a quick chat over here? And he's like, uh, attention, everyone. I'd like to call out my friend Peter. In front of all of them, he says, you are a Jew, that you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So that may not seem significant. Like if you're just reading that at first blush, that sounds like, do they have a dinner party argument? What's happening here? I don't really understand why this is in the Bible. Part of what had happened in Peter's life was that God clearly communicated to him that he was no longer to exclude people based on anything, based on race, based on gender, based on language, based on reach, any of that. And Peter, for a moment, got it. For a window there, he was like, oh man, this has changed my life. We call this grace, right? Grace is just, it's just this beautiful, scandalous word that Peter encounters for a real, real reason. And then what happens is like people from the old hood, right? They show up and all of a sudden Peter starts to kind of, kind of like backtrack a little bit where he was living in like the openness of like, man, these are my people and the grace of Jesus and has kind of knocked down all these barriers and all these walls. And then, you know, like when sometimes friends from like a previous life of yours show up, don't you behave a little bit like you used to when you knew them? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like when you hang out with those friends, when you have that class reunion and you go back to that neighborhood, that's a little bit of what's happening here. And Peter starts behaving the way that he behaved before he met Jesus. And so Paul says, nah, no, that's, that's not going to work for me. Paul sees this happening. He knows that it's wrong and he confronts him. Now, before we go any further, uh, I wanna talk about the truth of accountability first because I think we can read stuff like this and we can, we can sit in rows in churches and probably even nod and agree and say, yeah, accountability is a good thing. Um, and yet we still resist it, don't we? Like, I don't know that I've ever heard someone say, pastor, please, can we do a series on accountability? I just need more of that in my life. I need more people like in my garbage calling me out of my stuff, right? Never, I've, ne- I've never heard anybody say that. And I think the reason is because we have, uh, we have some misconceptions about what accountability actually is. So first, accountability is about inviting, not imposing. Inviting, not imposing. It's not about us like storming our way into other people's life to let them know like, hey, your glasses really do look dumb. Just wanted you to know, see ya. It, it's about inviting someone saying, hey man, I, I see you. I, like, can you speak into my life? Can you hold me accountable to this? Now, when we were like teenagers, and maybe occasionally like push the limits of our parents' authority sometimes. Okay, don't act like you didn't, right? Like we all, like maybe our parents imposed their authority on us in that context. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about inviting a trusted friend kind of like beyond the veneer, you know what I mean? To like the real you, the real life part. In Ephesians 5, Paul writes it this way. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's key. He doesn't just make a blanket like, hey, y'all need to submit to one another because it's just a good idea, right? It just makes sense. He's like, no, no, the, the engine, the reason that we submit to one another is because of what Christ has done in our life. We wanna honor God, not just with our Sundays, but with our entire lives. And, and that leads us then to this mutual submission that says, listen, I recognize that I was not wired to do this thing by myself and I need you in my life to help me fully become who God intended me to be. And I really truly believe that's what's at stake here. 
Because it is easy, I think, to hear talks and ideas like this and say, yeah, yeah, that's all fine and good, but I'm gonna keep living in isolation. I believe that when we open ourselves up to be truly accountable to one another, we become the people God intended us to become. And our goal, our engine is to honor Christ. That's, that's what drives the whole operation. Secondly, accountability is about hard words, not harsh words. Hard words, not harsh words. Earlier in Ephesians, Paul writes this. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. What he's saying is, yeah, there are going to be times. That we're gonna speak some words that are, that are hard. There's gonna be gravity and weightiness to them. But how do we speak them to one another? In love. We speak them in love. We had a, um, a saying growing up when we talk about confronting someone, we'd say, when you confront them, do you come with a scalpel or a hatchet? Because both cut, but only one of them cuts to heal. Does that make sense? Both cut, but only one of them cuts to heal. If, if you have a toxin in your body and you, you need surgery, right? That's a very real cutting. And in some cases, it's, it's actually quite painful. It doesn't feel good. No one's like, oh, this surgery tickles. Like that's not typically how surgery goes. There is a very real cutting, but the intent, the focus, the purpose is to bring healing. So when, when calling someone out, like Paul does, is the intent to like chop them down a couple of notches? Is it, is it to shame them or is it to bring healing? Is it to bring right relationship? That's a really important question, I think, to ask. Solomon reminds us, he says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Sometimes, and I've had this happen numerous times where friends, close friends, saw deep beyond what I thought they actually saw and have said some things that, to be honest, in the moment really stung. But I I wouldn't be the person that I am today without those people in my life calling me out and saying, man, because I love you, because I see where this trajectory is going, I, I gotta call this out. You got to make a change. Lastly, uh, accountability is about growth, not discipline. Growth, not discipline. Um, if you wanna know if someone's really serious about changing something in their life, um, see if they'd be open for accountability. If you wanna know if you're really serious about changing something in your life, ask for accountability. The amount of times that I've said like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna go to the gym eventually. And someone's like, oh, do you want me to hold you accountable to that? I'm like, no, thanks. That's fine. That's, I'm just gonna keep paying for the membership, right? Just watch that deducted from my account every month, right? That'll motivate me. Has it? (laughs) Yes, I love you so much. Thank you for saying yes. Wow. I remember uh, in college, for some reason, like I had really latched onto the the practice of Sabbath and uh, I I, like really prided myself on being the Sabbath guy. Like once a week, I shut everything down. My laptop, I took the battery out of my phone. Like I was unreachable for 24 hours. And I like, I became known as that. Like people like, oh, that's the guy, he's Sabbath. And I was like, yeah, you're doing right, I Sabbath. Like it's a weird thing to be tough about, but... To the point where people were like asking me to like speak places about Sabbath. Like, would you speak about Sabbath? I'm like, of course I was, I was awesome at that. Yes, I'd love to speak about Sabbath. And uh, I had a buddy who was kind of one of those next level friends that just saw past all the layers and veneer. And he, uh, he said to me, listen, man, I, I really, I, I admire how seriously you take this principle of Sabbath. And I was like, awesome. I like where this is going. And he said, but I watch you the other six days of the week. 
And you're killing yourself, man. You're burning the candle at both ends. You're packing your schedule full of more and more things. You say yes to everything and everyone. And I'll never forget, he looked me right in the eye and was like, is that what Sabbath is really about? And like, I, I felt like the wind got knocked out of me. But here's someone who saw what was really going on at the heart level. Everyone else was like, man, this guy, he's totally creates margin, creates space. Like how holy of him. And my buddy's like, hey, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I think you've missed the plot. I think you've, you've missed the point. Is that what that is really all about? In Proverbs 27, 17, this was my life verse for years. says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Iron, as we know, can be created uh, into weapons, right? Things to chop down, to destroy, to harm. But they can also be created to sharpen one another. And that's how we're wired to be, to to sharpen one another. Man, Man, I, I need people in my life to call out in my life the blind spots, the stuff that I can't see, to tap me on the shoulder, to look me in the eyes, remind me that I'm known and loved and that I still sometimes need people to come alongside me. That That's what accountability is truly about. When two friends are willing to give each other open access to speak truth into each other's lives, both of those friends grow. Both of them. Both the one being talked to and the one doing the talking. We grow closer to each other and to God. So despite all those great reasons, right, we still kind of resist it though, don't we? Don't we still struggle, I think, to actually really truly ask for accountability? Why, why is that? Why is that so difficult for us to do? I think perhaps one reason, honestly, is that our, our culture is like so built on the premise of self-reliance and grit, isn't it? Like, was anyone raised in a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of family or culture or environment? Like, I have a lot of that click clacking around in my brain most days. I'm like, don't ask for help. Don't let people speak in your life. You can do this. You gotta do this. This depends on you. And sometimes, sometimes that's appropriate. Just like, all right, you just gotta hustle, man. You gotta, you gotta work. But man, it, it is embarrassing to admit how many times where I knew I was underwater and I refused to ask for help just because I just, it made me feel weak. And maybe that's for you. Maybe asking for accountability would just show too, too much vulnerability. Like your identity is wrapped up in knowing how to do stuff, how, how to get stuff done. Or maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear that like if you ask and they 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 don't follow through or they don't let you down or they call something else out in your life that you didn't want them to see. Whatever it is, we were wired for connection. Uh, David Brin, I think, puts it brilliantly. He says, when it comes to privacy and accountability, people always demand the former for themselves and the latter for everyone else. Isn't that right? Like, I, yeah, I, I want you to be accountable, but I want, I want my privacy and I think we're steeped in a culture that sort of praises that particular way of living. And the Bible says, no. God, God I think, invites us to something far more rich. So can we, just, can we just be honest for a moment together? Can we admit that, like, much of the time that we don't is because we just don't want to? Right? It's not, it's not some big, like, spiritual mystery. We, we don't ask for accountability because, like, at the end of the day, I'd rather not. <laughs> I just, I just kind of don't want to do it. So, so maybe today, maybe this week, this is the time that we together as a family, as a community, muster up the courage and actually let people in 
and ask for accountability. So I want to get really, really practical this morning. I'm going to give you a, a couple of questions to ask and then a, a resource at the end that I, I hope will be uh, helpful. Uh, the first question is this, what do I want? What do I want? That may seem basic, but we got to ask, like, what, do I, what, what is the thing that I'm actually asking for? Like, what do I want to be accountable toward? It might be something that's present in your life that you want absent, right? Maybe, maybe it's like a, it could be an addiction. It could be debt. Maybe it's something that is there that you'd like not to be there. Or maybe it's something that's not there that you would like to be there. Maybe it's like, man, I really want to be more serious about, about reading my Bible, about, about doing devotions, about spending quality time with the people closest to me. Whatever it is, what is the thing that you actually want? And maybe a helpful question would be this. What would I like to see different in me a year from now? Because I think it's, it's easy, right? Because we, I don't know about you, but like sometimes I set up these goals and if like, if I haven't seen radical change by like the next day, I get really upset. Like, like if I were to go to the gym today and it's been a while, I would like look in the mirror and be pretty disappointed that next day. Like, why am I not hulking out right now? Like why, I worked out for like a solid 12 minutes. I should look Amazing. I think it's helpful for us to sort of like kind of run out that, that, that runway and say, okay, a year from now, what, what present things would I like absent? What absent things would I like to see present? Second question is, who do I trust? Who do I trust? This is a really important one because you don't want to just like leave here and like shout out to the lobby like, anyone want to hold me accountable? That's not a great way to do it. I wouldn't recommend that methodology. Think of the people that you trust, people that you know would actually hold you accountable. It's no surprise. I think one of the best environments to find these people is in a small group. If you're not in a small group, we've made it incredibly easy for you to get into a small group. You can actually, on your smartphone right now, text the word SGINFO for small group information to the number 313131. We'll send you a form. You fill it out about what kind of group you're looking for, what days of the week work, and someone from our team will get back to you this week. Couldn't be easier. Now, there are others of you, though, um, and you're already in a group and you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm totally in the clear. And maybe this isn't everyone, but I'll be honest. Like, there are seasons in my life where I attended a group very faithfully and let no one in. I was a very good small group attender. Faithful. I've read the chapters. I answered the questions. But like, no one there knew me. They, they didn't know what I was struggling with. Can anyone relate? You're doing the thing but you, like you would never ask for accountability. Maybe for you this week, you need to take honest stock of your relationship in your small group and the trusted community of friends that you have. Like, man, I, I don't know that I've ever actually spoken the words, can you hold me accountable to this? Maybe, maybe that changes this week. Third question is this, what am I asking for? What am I asking for? This is critical because I think a lot of times accountability feels like sort of this churchy word and we just let it live sort of in this nebulous, ethereal, like, hey man, would you hold me accountable? And you're like, sure. You're like, cool, see you later. Like, what is that person holding you accountable to? Well, we didn't talk about it. I just, I'm now their accountability buddy. That's what I, that's what we're doing now. Patrick Lencioni, I think, puts it brilliantly. He says, the enemy of accountability is ambiguity. The enemy of accountability is ambiguity. If we, if we continue to let it sort of just exist out here somewhere, we're never really held responsible, are we? Because I didn't actually ask for anything, anything specific. Drill down specifically, what am I actually asking of this person? What do I really want them to hold me accountable to? So we, uh, when you came in, hopefully you were handed this card here. And um, if you didn't get one, 
uh, tough. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We have more in the back. You can get on the way out. Um, and this is sort of like, it's kind of like a Mad Lib if Jesus made Mad Libs, right? You remember the Mad Libs where you fill out the verb and all of that? And, and I think uh, this is actually really, really helpful in walking through what accountability can look like uh, in each of our lives. So first, the template starts with, will you hold me accountable to? And then whatever the action is. Whatever that, it, it could be financial, it could be relational, whatever it is, like just speak to that actual need. The second part here um, is the frequency, how often. And this may seem silly, but like if you're asking for accountability and you're expecting them to, to call you like once a week and they start texting you every 14 seconds, you're, that's not gonna go well for either of you. So, so actually communicate. Hey, I, want, I need you to hold me accountable to this. Here's kind of how often I'd love for you to check in on me. And then the last one here is by method. What is the method that you'd like to be held accountable? So it would be helpful for this person to know, like, hey, um, like maybe don't tell the whole group about that rash that I told you about. Like, <laughs> like maybe that's more of a text thing or an email thing. It feels a little specific, but it's so helpful to actually just articulate, hey, I love you, I trust you, and I think you love and trust me. I'm struggling here. Can you hold me accountable to this by text twice a day? Here's the times of days that maybe that would be most helpful. This isn't, I know that some of you looked at this and no one in this room was like, it was mind-blowing. But I think so often we don't actually have good accountability because it exists in this ethereal nebulous space that we never actually address. We never actually talk about it. We never tackle it head on. So the challenge is to fill this card out and to give it to somebody this week. Not in the new year, not once the holiday stuff dies down because there's always something else, isn't it? This week, fill this card out, give it to a trusted person and say, man, I don't have all the answers and I know you don't either, but I'm just convinced I was not meant to do this thing alone. I can finally recognize that God wired me for connection, for relationship, and, I, and I'm sick of doing it as a silo. That's, that's my prayer for us, that, that we would become a little bit tired of playing it safe. Is it scary to ask for accountability? It definitely can be. It's sometimes a bit bumpy when someone calls out stuff in your life that you'd rather not have called out? Absolutely. I'm telling you, it is a better way to live. It just is. And not because it's a good practice, but because it's how we are hardwired to be. God created us and he saw us and said, yeah, it's, you're not meant to be a silo. You're not meant to do it alone. And he's given us each other. And what a, what a gift we have in each other. May we be a people this week who step out in courage in boldness and say, I know that I was not built to do this thing by myself. Will you walk this road with me? And friends, it'll be one of the best decisions you ever make. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your presence, of your spirit here, even in this room right now, God. I, I know that in this room, um, there are people who are maybe having a really great week and other people who feel like they're just a day away from snapping. 
God, I know that you speak into all of that. And I pray that you would be present in our lives, that you give us boldness and courage, even names of people, if it takes that, to step out and say, I I can't do this thing alone. Will you walk this road with me? Will you hold me accountable? We just don't want to play it safe anymore, God. We want to step out. We want to join you in the work of helping people find their way back to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity to join you in any of that. We pray these things in your name. All God's people said, amen.